Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Football season is right around the corner, and Bet Online has you covered with all of the college and pro odds, contests, parlays, and wagers. Use our promo code BLEAVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It easy podcast live on the believe podcast network except it isn't live because it is a podcast welcome in everybody it is friday august 26th according to my count it may not be that according to your count but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is you may be listening so We have a full podcast that is going to be dedicated to a story that gained national news attention on Thursday, and it gained national news attention because uh, of the perpetrator in the case that went public. And for people who are following, I mean, you've seen the title of the episode, we're going to talk about Matt Areza the Buffalo Bills rookie punter and former San Diego State punter who uh, he was drafted this year. His nickname is the Punt God. People have have an infatuation with him, and it's been this whole thing. There was a Heisman campaign for him last year. And on Thursday, this is according to the Los Angeles Times, I'm direct quoting here, a civil lawsuit was filed Thursday in state court accusing three past and present San Diego State University football players, including a top punter now in the NFL, of gang-raping a 17-year-old girl last year at an off-campus party. Matt Areza, 22, whose powerful and precision kicking in college earned him the moniker Punt God, was accused of having sex with a minor outside the home and then bringing her inside to a room where she was repeatedly raped. The lawsuit filed in San Diego County Superior Court alleges the then high school senior went in and out of consciousness but remembers moments as the men took turns assaulting her. The other men named in the complaint are Xavier Leonard and Nolan Pa Ewaliko. Leonard is listed on the university's fall football roster as a redshirt freshman. Ewaliko was on the team last year and is not on the current roster. And this case is being brought to national news attention because it has a high-profile NFL player, probably the most famous punter, or at least one of the most famous punters in the NFL, being connected to this case, and his NFL future will be the thing that gets talked about in national news stories. And for those of you who don't know my background, because perhaps you're new to this podcast as a result of this story, and, and we've been 
doing stories like this in connection to things like Deshaun Watson. Uh, We've done six Deshaun Watson podcasts in the last six weeks if you want a nuanced account of that story. Um, I myself am from San Diego. I grew up about five minutes away from San Diego State. And San Diego State would be the football team that I watched as a kid, whichever time it was on local television or it would be the team that was followed. And so knowing this about San Diego State, I had known about this case back in July before the connection to Matt Areza made it a national news story. And the fact that it's now a national news story incentivized me to put all the details together and create a full investigated story which again doesn't have original investigating, it's just repeating investigating done by the Los Angeles Times and the San Diego Union Tribune and USA Today, and we're connecting all of that reporting together to to lay out a full story about this case, because as we've talked about all the time when sports intersect society and we have conversations about Henry Ruggs and Dalvin Cook and intimate partner violence, when we do 10 podcasts on Deshaun Watson and breaking down the implications of women not being protected in sport and really just society at large because we don't care about women in a meaningful way that protects them and gives them the support that they deserve, especially in cases like sexual assault or sexual harassment in which coming forward is incredibly difficult because the legal systems don't handle the situation correctly, the the criminal systems don't handle this correctly, and you have pressure culturally to not come forward because at every turn you're not going to be believed, you're going to be accused of being out for money, the legal system will not protect you, and you will have to relive your trauma again and again and again, possibly for no result. The system is set up in an incredibly poor way for women to come forward against powerful people. And I hate that this is the case, and so bringing light to this is, at this stage in my life, a way of talking about this meaningful cause that is important to me and important to keep in the news cycle and and talk about these issues so that it can possibly inspire some sort of change for the next generation and that information is presented. So that's my backstory to this case. And the reason I bring that up is because Matt Areza is going to be the reason that we talk about it, like we talked about with Henry Ruggs, like we talked about with Dalvin Cook, like we talked about with Deshaun Watson, the famous person, Trevor Bauer is in this group as well. The famous person who brings this story to national news is the reason that we're talking about this on a national story. It's the reason it becomes a story that everyone is now familiar with and knows about, or at least have some sort of like they've seen a headline about the case. They're vaguely familiar with the fact that Matt Areza is accused of raping a 17-year-old along with four other football players at San Diego State. I guess three other football players and him. So four total, him and three other football players. And the reason I knew about this story back in July was that before the famous person made this a national story, this was a case of San Diego State mishandling the situation and San Diego State at worst covering up this story and at best showing gross negligence and morally and ethically being compromised as a result of this case and the part about this is that it's normalized within college culture 
rape culture and universities doing the bare minimum to account for these situations has been normalized. I remember back during the pandemic, we did about six podcasts following the USA Today story of LSU, which fortunately resulted in a $300 million plus lawsuit against the university as a result of their repeated turning a blind eye to sexual assault and sexual harassment within their athletic department and the broader campus at large. So fortunately, there were some form of accountability as a result of that investigating. At San Diego State, similar situation where, again, as, as we're about to outline, San Diego State exhibited at worst a cover-up of this gang rape case and at best showed gross negligence and were morally and ethically compromised in handling this situation. And now that the details are available about Matt Areza, it makes it even more practical because this is the story that is going to be talked about today. And so I had some of the pieces together because I'd been following this story for the past month because of its connection to San Diego State. And you are going to have details that have now been pieced together and now have come to light as a result of Matt Areza being one of the people listed in the civil lawsuit that connected Areza to the case that was out there. It was always out there in the past that he had been connected to this case. It just hadn't been brought to national attention because it wasn't a national story. It was a story being reported by the LA Times and the San Diego Union Tribune. It wasn't a national story until you have a national figure that will ultimately create some sort of repercussions and consequences, not just for Areza, hopefully for San Diego State as well. So I want to begin with the incident itself, and this is courtesy of the Los Angeles Times reporting around this case. In October of 2021, the woman was the woman in question here was a 17-year-old girl, a high school senior attending a party at San Diego State. This is courtesy of the Los Angeles Times. The woman at the center of the lawsuit spoke out publicly for the first time last month. Now 18, she said she was traumatized and had to finish up her senior year of high school online. The Times generally does not identify alleged victims of sex crimes, and her lawsuit identifies her as Jane Doe. The off-campus party started on October 16th, and the assault, according to the lawsuit, occurred in the early hours of October 17th. In her lawsuit, the woman said she had already been drinking with friends when they arrived at the party on Rockford Drive, and Areza, who lived at the home, gave her a drink. She believes the drink, quote, not only contained alcohol, but also in, uh, but other intoxicating substances, the complaint said. Armstrong, Areza's attorney, says he does not believe the teen was under the influence of alcohol or drugs. According to the lawsuit, the teen told Areza she was a high school student, and even though he could see she was highly intoxicated, he took her outside and told her to perform oral sex, then had sex with her. Then Areza took her to a bedroom where Leonard... Iwiliko and at least one other man were, the complaint alleged, and threw her down on the bed face first. The lawsuit said she was raped for an hour and a half until the party was shut down. During the assault, she noticed a light as if someone was taking a cell phone video, according to the complaint. The teen, quote, stumbled out of the room bloody and crying. Her nose, belly button, and ear piercing had been pulled out, and she was bleeding from her vagina, end quote. 
As soon as she escaped, she told friends she had been raped, the lawsuit said. A day later, she went to the city's police department, where she waited about five hours before an officer spoke with her. She was taken to a hospital and underwent an extensive rape exam. At the request of police, she made pretext calls, recorded by detectives, with the men named in the lawsuit whom police, quote, had determined were present in the room when the rape occurred. Areza, the complaint alleged, confirmed on a call in late October that they had sex and recommended she get tested for a sexually transmitted disease. I will repeat this part again. This is me interjecting here. At the request of police, she made pretext calls recorded by detectives with the men named in the lawsuit whom police had determined were present in the room when the rape occurred. Matt Areza, the complaint alleged, confirmed on a call in late October they had sex with a 17-year-old and recommended she get tested for a sexually transmitted disease. Later in the conversation, she asked him, and did we have actual sex? Areza allegedly changed his tone and replied, this is Matt Areza, I don't remember anything that happened that night. San Diego police detectives guided the young woman during her pretext calls, a Times review of text messages showed. The woman's attorney, Daniel Gillian, said police have not provided recordings of those calls or his client's police report. The results of the rape exam have also not been disclosed. This is the end of the, of the Los Angeles Times reporting for now. We will come back to this in a little bit, but I want to focus on what the timeline of events is right now. On October 16th and October 17th, this woman, or I guess this 17-year-old girl, was allegedly gang-raped by four, well, at the very least three, the investigation says four, four San Diego State players who were present in the room while she went in and out of consciousness and was gang-raped by the San Diego State football team. She went to police instead of San Diego State. Now, this is where San Diego State comes into effect in this case, because San Diego State was informed by police that there had been an on-campus incident. Both the San Diego police and the San Diego State police had been informed about this case and informed it to the university and were told, the university was told, do not investigate, according to San Diego State, this is according to San Diego State, they were told by the police to not investigate further because it could compromise their police investigation. Now, San Diego State did not file a Title IX report or open a Title IX investigation, according to them, because police said it would interfere with the police investigation. This does confirm, however, that San Diego State was made aware of an October or of a rape incident involving four members of the football team at San Diego State. They were informed in October of 2021 they did not file a Title IX report, and they did not start a Title IX investigation, which, for people who don't know, Title IX is uh, any university staff person who is made aware of a rape allegation or a sexual assault allegation is a mandatory reporter. Now, because this woman or this girl did not attend San Diego State, and because she went to the police and it was the police who informed San Diego State, legally San Diego State did not have to file a Title IX report. And that was what they said in their statement once this story came to light in July, which we'll get to that in a little bit. But San Diego State's statement was, 
that police told us not to investigate, and legally we did not have to file a Title IX report. That's not a direct quote of San Diego State's um, statement on the matter. They were doing ass-covering in their statement where they're saying, hey, we were told by the police to do this, which is a reasonable point. If that's what the police told them, then San Diego State did not investigate further. However, they didn't file a Title IX report because they legally were not required to, despite the fact that San Diego State had knowledge of this information back in October of 2021. So that's where I said at the start, this is at least gross negligence, because legally they were not required to, and at the same time, they didn't do anything morally and ethically to protect people on their campus. And whenever we talk about the moral and ethical responsibility of colleges and universities to protect students on their campus, instead of, as we just mentioned before, the legal responsibility, which is an incredibly low bar to hit. Again, San Diego State was told by police, hey, four San Diego State football players allegedly raped a 17-year-old girl, and we're investigating it. And San Diego State just acknowledged it, and that is legal. That is the bare minimum San Diego State could do, and they broke no laws. So the low bar of legal threshold is not as high of a bar as the moral and ethical responsibility of schools to protect their students. And schools talk about this all the time. You hear in every single statement from a university, whenever you're talking about sending students there, it is our highest priority is the safety and well-being of our students. You hear schools allege this all the time. Safety and well-being of our students is our top priority. And a lot of these times, these these colleges and universities, they operate as their own governments. Like, not with all the same legal protections of governments, and at the same time, colleges and universities, uh, through funding that works a lot like taxes, when you talk about tuition and fees and payments to universities, operates a lot like taxes. And these schools pay for housing, they, they provide housing, they provide education, they provide food, they provide health care. I know the school that I go to, I got my health care through the school. They provide all of these necessities. Many times they provide transportation to students. When we talk about public financing bus systems, that's essentially a government. It is you, you give them money and they provide you housing, they provide you food, they provide you transportation, they provide you health care. These schools essentially operate as governments. And they say all the time that the well, the well-being and, and health and well-being of our students is our most important priority. You hear that all the time. There are three important points within this case that are important to mention when we talk about what gets in the way of the health and well-being of students. Number one, these schools operate as governments, and therefore they are susceptible to putting profits over people. There are billions of dollars in revenue to be made by colleges and universities, especially for-profit colleges and universities, or I guess not for-profit. That's like what, you know, University of Phoenix is or whatever. We're talking about like colleges that are major players in the game. We talk all the time about Stanford having an $8 billion endowment or Ivy League schools having a $10 billion endowment. Many schools are in the hundreds of millions or billions of dollars in endowments, which is essentially money saved up for future projects at the school. 
specifically in San Diego State's case, and this this moves into point number two, which is football is a major revenue generator for school. And because they are a major revenue generator, the school is more susceptible to putting profits over people. These schools, specifically San Diego State, is opening a $321 million football stadium and uh, apartment housing complex at the site of the old Chargers stadium. It opened this week. The first event at that stadium is a week from Saturday when San Diego State plays their first game of the season. They just opened this week a $321 million athletic facility partially paid for by public money in the county of San Diego. And that has been a project that's been going on for two years. They expect to return profit on this case. They're not just spending $321 million to spend it. They expect to return profit in the form of having more places to house people, being able to host events that are San Diego State affiliated at a three at a 30,000-seat stadium. These schools essentially operate as governments, and football is a major revenue generator so that the government can spend money on sometimes making more money and, again, providing housing, transportation, food, health care, education to thousands and thousands of students. And so that's number two. Number one is that profits get in the way of people in terms of like things to consider when we're talking about schools and universities. Profits get in the way of people. And number two is football is a major revenue generator, which brings us back to the story from the Los Angeles Times. And these two points are encapsulated in the same case. And I will read this again directly from the Los Angeles Times. Matt Areza's name surfaced in connection with the rape allegation in at least one report made by student-athletes within days of the party to San Diego State officials through an anonymous campus reporting system. Quote, I hope this isn't true for Matt's sake, a student said in October on October 26th report that was reviewed by the Times along with other internal records in this case. Quote, but if it is true... I hope he gets the repercussions he deserves and the girl gets justice. Again, this is October 26th, which is 10 days after the incident occurred. At the t- Back to the story. At the time, the San Diego State Aztec football team was enjoying one of its best seasons in years. Records show that one athlete told campus officials that students who had heard about the incident were questioning why campus officials had not investigated and whether coaches were, quote, trying to sweep it under the rug because our football team is doing so well, end quote. The, the person also went on to say in this report, 99% of the football players are aware of the five-person rape, so the rest of the student-athletes are left wondering why nothing is being done, the student said. Last week, San Diego State President Adela De La Torre led a ribbon-cutting ceremony at the team's new home, Snapdragon Stadium, an estimated $310 million venue that is the centerpiece of a multi-billion dollar campus development project. Profits get in the way of people when we talk about corporations. When your first objective is to make money, which of course for colleges and universities their first objective is to make money, it gets in the way of protecting people when you allow the culture to get in the way of people. 
And this is a case where San Diego State did what was legally the bare minimum. And that's why I'm saying at worst, I'm sorry, at best, this is gross negligence on the part of San Diego State. If this is common knowledge and people know that Areza is connected to it because he lived there, because they knew about Areza's connection to the girl, and like the the person said in one report, 99% of the football players were aware of the five-person rape. So the rest of the student-athletes are left wondering why nothing is being done. That's a direct quote from his report. If that's the case, San Diego State's just doing the bare minimum around this because they did not have a moral or ethical obligation to protect the victim in that case. They did what was legally the bare minimum, which legally the bare minimum was just to take the call from San Diego State from San Diego State Police and from San Diego Police. And that is gross negligence on the part of San, of San Diego State. Now, I mentioned that there were three things that get in the way of, you know, the, the well-being and protection of students and the moral and ethical behaviors of schools. And that is 87%, this is according to USA Today in 2022, 87% of colleges and universities in the United States are not in compliance with Title IX. And, and there's so many complex details about the history of Title IX and how Title IX was originally fought against by both the NCAA and college coaches, and then it became stronger legal protections, but schools because the culture was already ingrained that women are not equal and women are not protected and schools were already turning gigantic profits. There was no incentive for schools to meet Title IX regulations because no one was enforcing it. There's this whole history of basically Title IX is legal protection against sex discrimination within schools and requires schools to mandatory provide resources for women's athletics and create a Title IX investigation for cases like sexual assault and sexual harassment. And 87%, which is, which is for those keeping track at home, 7 out of 8 colleges and universities do not meet the legal requirements of Title IX protections because there is no incentive financially for schools to invest in Title IX programs. They are good enough as they are right now to continue turning record profits, and because there is no enforcement legally of the Title IX laws, 87% of the schools are not in compliance. The same way it's illegal to discriminate based on gender when it comes to pay, and yet seven, women make 75 cents on the dollar as compared to men. It's illegal to discriminate against uh, someone based on gender, and yet it happens every day because the culture has just permeated and there is no enforcement of the law. And so, as a result, schools are not equipped to handle Title IX investigations even when they get Title IX reports. In this case, San Diego State just avoided the Title IX process altogether, which again, they will claim they broke no laws. And by doing that, they did the bare minimum, despite the fact that it put students at their school continuously in danger when you have... A, a case with a high a high profile person and a high profile I mean perhaps at the time the most famous person the most famous student on your campus and your revenue generating football team they did the bare minimum legally instead of actively working to protect their students like you hear schools and universities claim all the time so I will reiterate at this point that is why the last 10 minutes or so explain why this is at bare minimum Gross negligence on the part of San Diego State. 
So before we return to the timeline of events, I just want to briefly surmise what we've covered thus far, because it is a lot, there's a lot of nuance, and there's a lot of reporting that goes into this. So on October 16th and October 17th, 2021, a 17-year-old girl who is a high school senior attends a party at San Diego State. She was given a drink with, as she alleges in her lawsuit, drugs by Matt Areza. Matt Areza. While she was drunk and potentially drugged, Matt Areza has sex with her and then is brought upstairs in the house at which the party is being had and Matt Areza and allegedly three other San Diego State football players uh, rape this girl for approximately an hour and a half while she goes in and out of consciousness. One day later, she goes to San Diego police, waits five hours before she can be treated, and then is taken to a hospital to undergo a rape test. Well, it's known as a rape kit, but undergoing rape testing. And after that, they launch their investigation. They inform San Diego State. San Diego State does the bare minimum legally, which is to take the call from the police department. They're told by the police not to, uh, you know, not to interfere with their investigation, according to San Diego State. And San Diego State does not file a Title IX lawsuit. The within San Diego State athletics, this incident is a well-known case. There are people uh, using the anonymous tip line at San Diego State, which is uh, a way to protect the identity of people who are alleging sexual crimes and making it easier for people to come forward, which is a really good resource when it is effectively used. We acknowledged again that 87% of colleges and universities as of June 2022 are not in compliance with Title IX laws. And after that it goes on, it proceeds the investigation proceeds into November and December of 2021. Still no action is taken by San Diego State. During the police investigation, Areza is originally named in the case, and the the girl makes pretext calls, which were recorded by detectives. Um, Areza confirms on one of these calls that they did have sex and recommended that she get tested for STDs, and then Matt Areza ends up no longer cooperating. They continue their investigation, and then around 2022, there seems to be difficulty in the investigation, and the investigation stalls out, both with the police department, it, the San Diego police, and the San Diego State Campus Police. And this is a direct quote from the Los Angeles Times story about this case. Quote, the teen has publicly criticized the city's police department handling of her case, which she believed had stalled out after the new year, as well as San Diego State's inaction. Her father, who spoke to the Times on the condition of anonymity, said that he shared his daughter's account with campus police three days after the party and was never provided information for the Title IX investigation or complaint process. The university said it asked San Diego police to provide the information to the victim and has not answered repeated questions from the Times asking why campus police did not give that information directly to the victim's father, which follows the pattern of behavior that was detailed by Nancy Armore in the story about LSU football Back in uh, the 2010s, it was over a process of multiple coaches and six to seven years of negligence by the school, um, not giving up uh, information from police reports or Title IX reports. San Diego State never filed a uh, Title IX investigation in the first place. 
and or never they filed a Title IX report, never proceeded with a Title IX investigation. Uh, the father went to San Diego State Police. The girl went to the San Diego police. And around the new year, the case began to stall out, which was how months later, there's no action by the police. There is no real meaningful act or sorry, no real meaningful action by the police, no action by San Diego State. And so in July of 2022, uh, well, I guess if we're following the full timeline now, we know that Matt Areza gets drafted by the Buffalo Bills in April of 2022 and then in july of 2022 the woman speaks publicly to the los angeles times and the san diego union tribune and after that san diego state finally opens an investigation and san diego state does not open an investigation until the woman goes public. So the first time the woman speaks out publicly is July 29th to the New York, I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Times and the San Diego Union Tribune, which are both, you know, semi-local newspapers. The Los Angeles Times covers a lot of San Diego news. The San Diego Union Tribune is the major paper in San Diego. And she speaks publicly on July 29th on August. And this is the first time that I heard about the case was on July 29th when she spoke about it in the media. August 1st, San Diego State announces that they're finally, after 10 months, opening an investigation. And August 4th, the police department, at the San Diego Police Department, com- closes their investigation and sends the, uh, sends the findings to the district attorney, who is going to decide whether or not there's enough evidence to file criminal charges against Areza and the three other players involved in the gang rape. And so that timeline of events starts to suggest that San Diego State either just forgot about this story, and once the police had gotten involved once, they did not further you know, pursue any sort of action. And at worst... San Diego State was covering up for their mistakes by now opening an investigation after the story went public. And the woman was told, and the girl, I should say the girl, the girl and her parents were told at the very beginning of this case, don't go public, it'll compromise the investigation. The police told San Diego State, don't go public with this, it will compromise the investigation. Don't investigate yourselves, it might compromise the investigation. Which is a mishandling of this from the police department and from the school, which is a repeated pattern of behavior that exists in these sexual assault cases where, like we talked about with Deshaun Watson, like we talked about with Trevor Bauer, the legal systems fail the victims at almost every turn when it comes to sex crimes and sexual assault and sexual harassment. The victims get failed at every turn when it comes to trying to prove this. In the state of Texas, when it came to Deshaun Watson, the bar for criminal sexual assault is much higher than it is in most states. We don't know yet whether criminal charges are going to be filed against Matt Areza and the other players as well. And time will tell. It'll provide more details that Will hopefully, if there's a criminal process that goes that that is, if criminal charges are filed against them, 
in depositions and in investigation, you're going to find more information about what role San Diego State played in this case. Because San Diego State at this point, as we mentioned before, is either operating under, at worst, a cover-up, and at best, gross negligence. And it might be somewhere in the middle that San Diego State operates here. Because they, they, according to San Diego State, they have broken no laws. They have done the legal bare minimum, and they cannot be accused of covering up this case which again the legal bar is the bare minimum they just had to accept the call file a title IX report and therefore san diego state is in the clear then and again they can't access the title IX report or the complaint process when they tried to access it uh, both the, the la times the san diego union tribune and the father of the the 17 year old victim could not access the title IX report which is the same pattern of behavior that existed at LSU when these records are supposed to be publicly available when someone requests them. Again, there's there's not a lot of enforcement for being able to get that information. It, it is very difficult to obtain because there's not an incentive for the police, both San Diego State, both campus police and the university, or sorry, campus police and the city police. There's not a whole lot of incentive to release that information. Again, the victims continue to be failed at every turn in this case and in most sexual assault cases on college campuses, um, but starting with the fact that 87% of colleges and universities, according to USA Today, are not in compliance with Title IX and taken a step further to the fact where legal systems are not great at handling these situations either legal system it's very very hard to prove criminal sexual assault cases without say a dna sample and these are really really difficult cases to prosecute and again perhaps there's enough in the investigation to prove that will be the case where san diego state now looks like they're covering their ass is opening an investigation 10 months after the gang rape incident and only opening an investigation right after the woman go or the girl goes public with the LA Times and with the San Diego Union Tribune. And we've already established bare minimum gross negligence. They have already committed gross negligence around this case and failure to protect people on their campus for reasons we outlined. It's connected to football. And is there a possible cover up around football? Revenue generating of basically a government. I, I, you know, I was mentioning earlier that colleges and universities get tuition similar to taxes and they pay for education, food, housing, uh, healthcare, and transportation. They also have their own police. Most campuses have their own fire departments. Like colleges and universities almost operate as their own governments. And so this is a case where the San Diego State Police and the university itself look like they are covering their ass. And that's where we don't have the information to know if it's a cover-up or not. We already know with bare minimum gross negligence on the part of San Diego State. Where they fall culpable in this case, we don't have the information yet to know. We don't know how much San Diego State was neg how far San Diego State went in their negligence. We don't know whether there's possible cover-ups or whether there's possible indictments of people at the highest levels or even not the highest levels, just employees at the university 
in not doing enough, whether San Diego State Police is culpable in these cases. There is not enough information yet to know what that is going to be. We know it's gross negligence at this point, and we don't know how far that amount of negligence goes to the point where it could possibly be a cover-up situation. What doesn't look great for San Diego State is, again, nothing happens for six months. The woman goes, or the girl goes public with the Los Angeles Times and with the San Diego Union Tribune talking about her story. It becomes a big local story, not a national story, a big local story, so much so that myself, who's living in Sacramento and hasn't been connected to San Diego State in years, learned about this when the woman went public. It was a massive local story in San Diego and in Los Angeles and the Southern California area. It was not a big national story. And there were immediate points about this of, hey, San Diego State kind of was grossly negligent about this case. And that's where my following of this story begins, is July 29th, woman comes forward about this case. And it's the first time that publicly... This is being reported on a national level as as the student or I guess the athlete who is uh, talking to campus officials in the Los Angeles Times story pointed out this was well known within the, the San Diego State athletics community. It was not well known on a on a citywide level. It was not known on a Southern California wide level until July 29th when the, the victim goes public and her father speaks in this story, etc., once it goes public, then we start getting details about this, and San Diego State makes their initial statement of, police told us not to investigate, we broke no laws, and they let it go from there. And then August 1st, open up an investigation when they didn't investigate. Again, the police were not done investigating at that time. However, the police did close their investigation on August 4th which was only three days after San Diego State opened an investigation. Regardless, it's clear that San Diego State only started investigating once this became a... Once public pressure was applied from journalism, did San Diego State begin investigating this case. And again, this was a local story. It now becomes a national story because of the famous person who happens to be involved in this case. And this is where... The story is going to, this has the new development today, which is August 25th, when now, similar to the victims of Deshaun Watson's sexual assault, the girl who's now 18 years old is going to file a civil lawsuit seeking financial damages from the four players who alleged, in her case, she only sued three of the players, and, and there are allegedly four in the initial police report. Uh, she's suing three of the players for financial damages. And, and again, as we talked about with Deshaun Watson, civil court means you have to prove it more likely than not that a person is culpable. It's it's 51% instead of the high bar of criminal charges, which, again, we do not know if criminal charges are going to be filed against Ariza and the other three players. The, again, the as we mentioned earlier, It's at the district attorney's office. We have no idea when they're going to announce charges, although perhaps now this becoming a national news story involving Matt Areza is going to speed up the process a little bit, for better or for worse, in terms of finding out whether there's going to be criminal charges brought against them. And that is where it brings us to today, that this was a case of 
a, a again, and this happens all the time, and it's so frustrating to hear it happen. I mean, it's it. I knew it was. Ha- it happens at the school I go to. We've seen it happen at LSU. We've seen it happen at Baylor. We've seen it happen at Michigan State, Michigan, USC. We've seen gigantic lawsuits that have proven that the students at these colleges and universities are not protected against sex crimes and are not protected in terms of their emotional well-being to the extent that schools have a responsibility to if they're going to function like governments. And to have it happen at San Diego State on this national news story, a case that I'd been following for a while involving football, which again, sports reflect society. This would be a gigantic case outside of the athletic department where it becomes compromising is that Athletics makes such gigantic revenues for the school that the school is incentivized to put people behind profits. And in this case, it appears that San Diego State at the bare minimum exhibited gross negligence and put profits over people in protecting the people on their campus because they knew about this case and did not pursue it further because they did what was the legal bare minimum which is not even the legal bare minimum because, again, 87% of, of schools and universities are not in compliance with Title IX. So whatever the legal bare minimum of enforcement on Title IX is, that's what San Diego State alleged, they say, did so that they can't be sued or criminally prosecuted. And San Diego State and all of these colleges and universities should be held to a higher standard than the law. If they are going to say that their highest priority is protecting the well-being and safety of their students, they should be held to a much higher standard than the law because the laws are not strong enough and they should not be because laws are meant to prove criminal behavior. But criminal behavior by schools is not enough. The the legal standard is not enough to protect people from sexual assault and sexual harassment specifically women i know we're talking about a heteronormative situation where it's like male perpetrator female victim it exists in other cases we're we're talking about this within a male male perpetrator female victim you know overwhelming case this this works with male victim and male victim and sex crimes female and female it works in reverse we're just talking about this heteronormatively and i just am so upset that this is a case where San Diego State was already exhibiting gross negligence and not protecting, not just protecting their students, protecting the athletic department at large. And this is a case where they failed to protect, they failed to meet the moral and ethical obligation of protecting their students if they are going to say, hey, we think that the well-being and protection of our students is our highest priority. When there's no fine, there's no financial incentive to do it. And yet San Diego State did not meet the standards and did not meet what they should have in this case. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to another episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Uh, We will be back again on Monday with new episodes of the show. In the meantime, check out past episodes. If you want to hear more about Deshaun Watson, perhaps, we have an episode from last week and uh, five episodes that go back all the way to May. Look for it in the episode titles and episode descriptions if you are looking for uh, another case similar to this where we're talking about the victims of sex crimes and sexual assault and the overwhelmingly number of women. It's not exclusively women, as we talked about, but the overwhelming number of victims 
who are failed at every turn. And this is another case of colleges and universities failing to protect students and, and failing to protect young people and, and foster an environment in which uh, they are looking out for the health and well-being of their students. Now, of course, this girl didn't go to San Diego State, but allowing uh, this case to go unchecked is is one and allowing these people to remain on campus uh, with no real repercussions from the university itself uh, is part of the larger problem when it comes to colleges and universities protecting their students and, and sports will be a microcosm for such cases. So we've done stories like this in the past. You can go back through our archives and find episodes as well. Reporting today, uh, if you want any of the links to the reporting we did, they are in the description to this episode as well. So with that being said, take it easy, everybody, and we will talk to you again next week.